Welcome to the Rejected Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Duhamel. This is a story-driven podcast on social rejection and ostracism within our communities. Thanks for joining me. Special guest today on the podcast, it is Jonathan uh, is joining me uh, from the Midwest in the United States. And Jonathan, thank you again for coming on the Rejected Podcast. I know this isn't the easiest conversation to have, but welcome anyway. Hey, Matt, appreciate it. Uh, I'm actually uh, from the South. Oh, from the South. Okay. Yes, <laughs> that actually may be a, a bigger challenge when we get into some of these questions, living in the South. In your situation, but um, well, tell me. Uh, we're talking about social ostracism and and social rejection. Uh, very similar terms, very similar situations. Uh, Jonathan, what has led you up to being um, ostracized in your community? Uh, well, unfortunately, I'm on the uh, sex offender registration, and so just having that that label itself, uh, you're almost automatically ostracized. Um, I mean, as soon as somebody hears, either hears about it or looks it up online, uh, they'll basically cut you out their life completely, want nothing to do with you. Um, but yeah, so that that's what's landed me in this position where I, I've kind of become ostracized. Yeah, um, and that that must be extremely difficult. How long have you been dealing with this? Uh, since I've been home since November of 2017, I've been on the registry since. Okay. And then off, off the microphone, we were talking, you, you were saying to me, I think it was through an email that you basically just stay home like all the time, not all the time, but most of the time. Is that, is that true? True? Uh, yeah, very much so. I mean, I, I do the basic things as far as go grocery shopping or whatnot. Uh, I try to go at times whenever I know the store is not going to be busy, but in general, I'm in my home. Uh, I don't have necessarily that many friends. So I'm here by myself, just uh, alone. And, and I go to college online, but that's about as much social interaction as I get uh, outside of maybe family. So I'm getting a better understanding of how this is affecting you. What about your family? How is it, how is it affecting your family? Uh, I mean, it, it's actually had a, a very significant impact on my family from the very beginning you know uh my dad had to get a lawyer for me um and lawyers are not cheap uh i have a couple of aunts and and two brothers that actually helped support me through prison um and it prison's expensive uh but getting out there's fines and fees that i'm constantly faced with uh plus just the the social rejection that they face in a sense you know um being out in public with me is is a risk because if you're seen associating with somebody like myself, um, people cast seem to tend to want to cast you into the same category, um, and so it's it's definitely been a burden on them. Uh, I know that my family, my dad, at least uh, had lost several friends whenever the incident happened, as if you know he was the one that that did something, um, and so you know right off the bat that they started almost being ostracized in a way, not to the extent that I am, but it, it does put them into a situation where they're viewed for something they had nothing to do with. 
So what areas in, in society, you know, have you been rejected from? I, I have felt rejected from mainly housing, employment, and uh, social gatherings, social circles. Is that the same for you? Absolutely. Um, and in addition to that, I've, I've actually felt the uh, rejection from uh, churches. Um, and That I don't get. That I don't understand. That makes me so mad. I, I don't either. Um, I, it's something that the first time I encountered it, it really blew my mind. Uh, because whenever I was first arrested, I had actually called one of my aunts and asked her to put uh, put me on the prayer list at her church. And the pastor of that church actually refused to put me on their prayer list. Um, said they could not have somebody like myself on there. They could pray for me right then, but not have me on their list. So rejection from all angles, from church, which uh, it would be the, the last place that you should feel rejected from, um, you know, college campuses, employment. We haven't got into that yet, but how would you label your or how do you view your current social status versus what it was like before your arrest and incarceration? Um, sure. Real quick, uh, I do want to clarify. It's It hasn't been every single church, it, but it has been some. Um, as far as my social status, I I wouldn't even say that I feel like a second-class citizen a lot of times. I feel as if, uh, if most of the society or most of the people in my community, at least, had an option, anybody like myself would actually either be locked away for life or dead. Yeah, I, I'm sure you know, but statistics show. And this goes for a lot of people being uh, ostracized from the community. The more you ostracize someone, the more uh, of the things that you take away that they, they need in life, uh, you know, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, the basic foundation for survival, the more you take that away, the more issues that person is going to have. So in, in your case, these things that you need and and want to live a successful life are being taken taken away, and uh, it's making it worse for you. So it actually, I'm not saying this is going to happen for you, but it increases the chance of reoffending. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I I am fortunate that I do have a, a source of income through uh, through a disability through the military, um, and. I have family support for the most part, and I, I have a place to live, everything like that, whereas a lot of people in my situation have none of those things. And so when you say reoffend, it's I, I don't worry about somebody going out and committing another sex crime. Where I see people reoffending is on a basis of survival. They, they steal to, to eat or, or they go rob somewhere because they have no choice but because they can't get a job or um, – you know, I mean, they're they're homeless, and they're hungry, and so people sell drugs. I mean, they do whatever they can to survive because there's no other options available to us. I mean, I'm in college right now. I've already got one degree. I'm just about through with the second one to be in, uh, in technology engineering, and every job that I've I've been offered, it, they take the uh, they rescind the job offer as soon as they do a background check. You know. Oh, I, I, let's get into that. Let's get into the employment issue. Uh, that seems to be the one of the biggest things in, in the housing uh, rejection. Can you give me an example uh, of of an employer rejecting you because of your sex offender status? Yeah, I mean, I, I've applied and had a job offer from uh, Lowe's, Walmart, uh, Burger King, um, 
Taco Bell. Uh, I actually got hired on at Hobby Lobby, and the first day of work, about two hours in, somebody, came, one of the managers came up and said, uh, they, I guess they had just found out about my background, they came up and told me that uh, they couldn't employ me after all, and I needed to leave the premise of le- uh, the property immediately. Oh, um, like, like you're some monster. Right, but I can still go shop there. I just can't work there. Uh, and I, I'll give you another ironic situation. You know, they, the government offers a work-study program where you do work for the college, but it's paid through the government. Um, and it's kind of like the Pell Grant type situation. Well, I was actually hired on for the work-study program to manage the school's uh, job board. So basically, I would just be doing things on a computer from my home. I wouldn't be interacting with people or anything like that. Uh, they did a background check, and they rescinded the offer. And whenever they called me and told me that they couldn't move forward, I, I asked them, I was like, so I can pay you to come to school here. I can participate in class online and interact with other individuals that go to school here, but I can't get paid to work part-time from my home and interact with no one. And they couldn't give me a satisfactory answer. They just simply wouldn't know, they wouldn't hire me. So I, I've heard stories uh, of uh, employee, employees, other employees putting up the printed sex offender registration profile or whatever uh, on the em- employer's board or something in front of everybody. Um, talk about stigma and, um, you know, making feel like someone's an outcast. Have you heard of stories like that? Has that happened to you? I mean, that's it, not the exact thing that happened, but the first week that I was at that job, uh, one of the people, one of the employees had actually looked me up, uh, you know, they Googled my name or whatever and found the news article from where I was arrested and they texted it to everybody else in the company. Oh my God. This is obviously very challenging for you. You're at home most of the time. You feel like a, uh, outcast in, in some ways. Tell me, how does it make you feel day to day to go through this? Uh, pretty awful honestly um you know i i deal with a lot of depression and anxiety um and just it gets lonely and you know there's times where you just want somebody to talk to and there's nobody to call uh the lack of fulfillment or purpose because you know i mean i've always i've been somebody that's worked my whole life up until my arrest and i've had a pretty successful career until then um, I'm used to working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And now I've, I, I sit at home and I, I mean, I have nothing to do. Um, there may be some people out there that say, hey, you know what? So what? So what? He did this crime. Let him be, you know, removed from society. How would you how, what would you like to tell people about that? I understand why people would feel that way, because it, the way that we have been people on the registry have been betrayed. You know, it's everybody's lumped into one group, uh, no matter what the offense is almost. And I would say just, you know, maybe have a little bit more understanding and compassion. Uh, Maybe see what the circumstance was, you know, actually talk to the person and see if they're willing to tell you about their situation. I I think most of us are. Um, And understand that people make mistakes and, you know, we, we try to repent and move forward. And by not allowing that really, it's not helping anyone. It's, I'm not saying it's causing harm, but it's certainly not improving safety. Um, 
you know, and I, I think that every group of people, it seems, are afforded uh, a level of forgiveness and redemption or, uh, you know, the ability to be redeemed, except for my particular class. And it's, you know, if, if we really want a, a inclusive and just a whole society, we we really need to be more understanding and forgiving sometimes. I agree. And I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading this study that just came out a day ago uh, from the recording of this podcast. Of course, it says folks who reported that they were socially isolated or felt lonely were more lo- more likely to die early from all causes, including cancer. Uh, according to this uh, study that included more than 2.2 million people from around the globe. So um, it, it can shorten people's lives uh, to be lonely or or rejected or whatever it may be. So it is it is something that we all need in life and, and we're humans and we need connections. It, it, honestly, in many ways, I'm a burden on society by not being able to be a, a contributing uh, citizen to my community. You know, I, I have to get food stamps. I have to get government assistance uh, where I can and how I can. And I don't want to, but I have no other options to survive. Have you seen, Jonathan, any positives from being uh, in this position? Are, are there any positives to this? For, for me, the, the positive would be um, just kind of having my eyes open to the reality of what somebody with a criminal background is. So not necessarily somebody on the registry, but just uh, somebody who has been to prison and, or, or, you know, maybe even just a misdemeanor or whatever, but that it doesn't make them a bad person. You know, they, it, it's a person isn't their crime. They, they made a mistake. And a lot of times people make those mistakes because they have lack of education. They have lack of resources. Um, they come from trauma and abuse. And so it, it's opened my eyes up and, and my awareness up to being more understanding towards people and actually, you know, showing compassion and trying to help that person. That way they can actually get ahead at life and, and be successful rather than fall back into their old habits and whatever it was that, that got them in trouble in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And it makes me think of, of something that's been happening a lot across the United States. And I don't know if it's connected. It might not be, but it's the anti-LGBTQ laws, uh, especially created this year. Um, I'm sure you've been seeing that. And do you see any type of connection between the rejection there that the LGBT community is facing and people on the registry, you know, we just briefly here, I, it started back in the mid nineties with new laws, you know, the Adam Walsh Act, there was a few before that, Jacob Wetterling um, and things like that. And it kind of started a, a firestorm of laws. Are we seeing that again with another group? I mean, is this, do you think it's kind of connected in a way? I, I think a lot of it probably is politically motivated, um, you know, because for people on the registry, you have, you, you know, people need monsters to be able to have somebody, somebody to save the public from. Uh, so if you can show that you're hard on crime and you're hard on, on sex offenders, it makes you look better to the, the public because they think you're, you know, keeping them safe. Um, with the, the LGB community, it, it's not exactly the same, but you're still singling out a group and you're using them to promote some sort of agenda um, at the detriment of that community. And there's vigilante action on both sides. You know, um, you have people that think that that, that community is, um, 
grooming children or whatnot. And so they take it to try to take justice into their own hands and end up committing hate crimes by assaulting these people. Um, and, and we see that, you know, with individuals on the registry as well. I think a lot of the stigma and the social rejection um, comes from a lack of education or a lack of facts or people not wanting to learn about the facts about certain people or groups. Uh, the fear, too. Would you agree to that? Uh, 100%. It, it's because a lot of the facts that you'll hear are actually not accurate. Um, that they're, they're repeated over and over, but it doesn't actually make them factual or accurate. And what the what they do is they cause a an emotional response in people, and so that emotional side of the brain takes over, and their logic's right out the window. And once you get somebody into that that riled up emotional state, it's hard for them to come down from that and actually listen to reason and consider what the actual facts may be. During your incarceration, uh, you know, you were thinking a lot about what you were going to do when you got out. I'm guessing, and you know, your plans and college and work. Did you see your life like this post-incarceration? No. Um, I, I honestly, whenever I, I took my time, I, I had a plea deal that I took. Um, I thought my time in prison was going to be the hardest part, and that was the cakewalk. Um, coming home has been so much harder. Um, I've dealt with with so much more stress, um, so much more emotional, just uh, the depression, the anxiety, all that. What is your typical day like now that you're facing this pressure from society? You know, what do you normally do during your day? I don't have a regular sleep schedule. Uh, I, I've fallen into the habit of just kind of sleeping whenever I get tired. So, I mean, I, I may be up all night. I may sleep all day or vice versa. Uh, but my day consists of doing whatever schoolwork I need to get done that day. Uh, but considering I have so much time available, I generally get that done within a day or two in an average week. Uh, and, and then basically just sitting around doing nothing. Um, I'm not a big TV watcher. Uh, so I kind of just sit in silence and stare at walls, uh, Jonathan, what do you hope for the future? Uh, like say five, 10 years from now. Um, I would like to, you know, hopefully find some kind of avenue, uh, whether it's through opening my own business. Um, I, I do electronic repairs and things of that nature, uh, very technically inclined. Um, or, you know, get on with some sort of company and, and somebody give me a shot and be able to work my way up through the ranks. And uh, I don't necessarily care about being in charge or being the boss or anything like that, but I, I would like to you know, have a sense of accomplishment and, and have something to wake up for in the morning. Um, you know, it, it's hard to get out of bed as, as it, things are right now because there's nothing to get up for. Uh, but, you know, I, I would like to have that, that purpose that I once had in my life before. You know what's kind of depressing about this podcast, at least this episode, and probably future episodes, is I don't know how many people are going to be sympathetic to what we're talking about. That's what's sad. I mean, if uh, uh, it might just be people saying, oh, who cares? I don't care about it. You know, they, they did a horrible crime. You know, I don't want to see them in society. That's what I'm afraid of about this whole podcast is there's not going to be anyone out there listening right now 
understanding how it feels to be in this situation. I, I, I'm afraid I agree with you. And the only thing I would say to that is, you know, the, the difference between me and them is I, I hope they never have to face something like this or, or anybody in their family. You know, I, I don't wish ill towards anybody. Um, and, you know, everybody deserves a second chance. Everybody deserves, you know, just a little grace occasionally. I agree. Everyone. That is everyone. I don't care what has happened. If it's a criminal charge, it's just some other issue, uh, a handicap or, or gay, sexual, homosexual, whatever, you know, everybody should get a second chance. I, uh, but not everybody is going to agree and it's hard to change everyone's minds. But if we at least can uh, reach the message to some people, I think that uh, definitely will help. Jonathan, do you want to say anything else before we wrap this up about your situation and, and uh, the social rejection? I guess just, you know, kind of reiterate as far as I, I do have support and I do have a means of, of income where I'm able to support myself, but there's many people out there in my situation that are homeless that are uh, struggling and, you know, the, they're, they're not, society's not any safer by putting these people out on the streets, they're not any safer by restricting them from resources and, and really pushing them closer towards crime, not necessarily again, sex crime, but just a crime to survive, you know? Um, and if you really want your community safer, then, then we need to embrace people that are struggling like that and help them get up on their feet because facts have shown study after study has shown that, when people have their basic needs met, they're much less likely to, to commit any kind of crime. Yeah. And, and here we are doing the opposite of what we should be doing. Yes, sir. Yeah. Wow. So a lot to, to take in during this, uh, one of the, well, the first, technically a first episode of the Rejected Podcast. I've got Jonathan with me and I want to thank you so much, Jonathan, for coming on. I know it's not easy to talk about this. I know that I know from experience the situation you're in. I'm in it. You're in it. Many, many millions of people are in it. Uh, and I just want to appreciate your time and coming and telling your story. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I certainly appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, I wish you success with the show. And I, I hope we can, you know, at least convince a few people. More information about the show can be found at therejectedpodcast.com. I'm Matt Duhamel, your host. And remember, you're always welcome right here on The Rejected Podcast.